to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zana. What's in your cup today, Zana? I'm drinking an organic super ginger from David's Tea. It's caffeine-free. Basically, it's just ginger, pepper, and stevia. It's pretty tasty, but very peppery. How about you? Ooh, that sounds good and healthy. <laughs> yeah. I am, in honor of today's guest, I am drinking a New York breakfast tea from one of our favorite places, T2, that is now only in Australia, but I'm getting some more tea soon. <laughs> I actually found some T2 in a like a fresh market recently. So, Oh, okay. You're going to have to save some for me. Okay. <laughs> but today's guest is C.D. Reese. She's a romance writer who brags about making the New York Times bestseller list, as she should, <laughs> as well as USA Today and Amazon. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And so we're going to we're going to hear that wonderful Brooklyn accent. But she has been living in L.A. for a long time now. And when you see her at the signing, there's a good chance that you're going to hear her voice and remember her in this podcast. And we are so happy to have her. And when you say hello, you should call her Christine. So I will say hello, Christine. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing well. Wonderful. Thank you. And Happy to have tea, you. Your tea sounds fantastic. Oh, mm. yeah. T2 is one of our favorites. And the New York Breakfast has got a little bit of like malty kind of really? thing. Yeah. It's almost oh, reminiscent of an egg cream. So it's very New mm. York. <laughs> Not a beer. Not a beer. Not beer. No. No, okay. not beer. I'm excited because you and I met at the Chameleon Effect Experience event mm. in Los Angeles back in early June. And I was excited to ask you onto the show, tell you about how much I've enjoyed the books of yours that I have read. And I wanted us to be able to get on and talk. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. And... That was a fun event, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Joe yes, Arden it, just got all of his fans together and he is so, he takes care of his people. I mean, I yes, really appreciate about that, that about him. He's an object lesson in how to treat fans. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anybody coming up should just watch what he does because he does it right. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> that yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> and, and true, and true. One of the series that you uh, have in your 25 plus titles is The Crown Family. And you recently released The Crown Jewel, which is, yeah, number five. Crown Jewel is the youngest crown sibling yeah, lyric. Yeah, the sister, the baby sister. Is this the last that we're going to hear from The Crown Family or do you have anything? In no, the there's another brother we know about. And there's also a secret kid that I mm. intimated there might be in book two. Hoping you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you remember, didn't you? You're yeah. Like that. Yeah, so th there are potentially two more. But I am not ready to write them because the crown books are my break into a happy place, right? So I tend to write uh, a dark psychological books where I get really deep into people's psyches and stuff. And it can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to just tell a string of jokes. It's not rom-com. But you just need to be jokey and witty and silly. And maybe the, the stakes don't need to be life or death every single mm -hmm. time. So that's what my crown books are for. They're they're for you, but they're really for me to kind of palette, palette of, cleansers. Palette cleansers for me, where I'm like, oh my God, a happy family. Let, let's do it. Yeah. The brothers who make up the previous four books before Crown Jewel are all very distinct. 
and you specifically had them narrated by by different people which also helped in that distinction and i have to let zana know that one in particular features andy arndt okay. as the Love her. as the female main character she sings in it and oh, it was the first okay. time i'd heard her sing and it was beautiful it was so beautiful the the, the, that that scene that was one of those scenes like you know how the it's a dual narration it wasn't designed the whole book was not designed for duet I only do duet on things that are designed that way and she but it was from his point of view Mm. right and I was like Joe just don't sing just on the parts where you sing I need you to suck so if you if you're an opera singer you have to just pretend you suck yeah and you're not singing Andy's parts that's not going to work so we did that one scene in duet style because yeah. it needed to feel more organic. And I was not going to have Joe sing her parts, but I was not going to change the POV either. He needed, sure. to, he needed to perceive her. Right. Yes. You know I mean? Yeah. I did not get it the other way. That's so. yeah. a smart way to do it then. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, it's, and it's surprising for a couple of reasons. First of all, there aren't, I don't know of a lot of books where Andy Arndt is singing. Hey, listeners, if you know of more, I would love to hear her voice more. So <laughs> yes, please. And she comes on in in the scene in which she is singing. She uh, she comes in and it surprises you, but it's also surprising him too. So mm. it's that it it like draws you right into the story that way. So that was a that was an excellent choice on your part, Christine, to do you know to have her come in that way and yeah joe has a singing voice but he's supposed to i said you suck i said yeah you suck (laughs) you have to you have to be awful because it's a family it's also a family joke too Mm -hmm. about you know how he's in the music industry yet he can't sing worth a damn so (laughs) so and it works really it works really well so the other joke is that she has she has anxiety so she's afraid she's going to go up there and suck Okay. Every time yeah. she goes, she's afraid she's going to suck. And he's like, look, you want to hear from suck? I got suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you haven't, you haven't heard. You haven't you heard sucky voice yet. I think my favorite now I was going to say, cause I read, I actually read that book first and then read the previous ones after that, Interesting. Um, uh-huh. which I have to say, I think, and I have not read a uh, lyric story yet. So I haven't read Crown Jewel yet. It's in my TBL, which Zana can tell I you is as long imagine. as both arms and legs. Yeah. Yeah. Your and, arms aren't uh, that I'm, long. I know. I, but I'm flattered you read four out of the five. Um, people say, <laughs> some people say Crown Jewel is the best one because, and I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily would find it the best one, except that what people, what I've heard is, that I hit on Gen Z. Yeah. Uh, okay. That I found the heart of Gen Z. I don't, I just have kids. I mean, this is how, right. you know, like, yes. what, what are my kids going to be worrying about in 10 years? You know? Yeah. Um, but you had said something that I wanted to address. I'm so, oh, so when you were reading the first three, yes. after the number four, how did you find that experience? I shouldn't be asking you questions. You should be asking me questions, but I'm going to ask you. So uh, this is a conversation. Off- we this can, is a we conversation. can ask each other questions. Yeah. <laughs> was it off for you or was, was there stuff you needed to fill in that wasn't filled in? Because I didn't read them in order. I, I mm-hmm. think that I kind of put my expectations on hold for, you know, what I expected those, because I mean, the earlier the book, the less 
fleshed out the characters are likely to be. Right. I, I don't really know that I put an expectation on on that. Part of me wants to go back at some point and actually read them in order and see see if that changes the experience. But right. you know, once you once you read the you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because once you read the, the book for the first all, time, like, you're kind of like that that experience of it is gone, you know. Right. So Right. And that's the tricky thing with writing these series of standalones i mean everybody's has a series every author has a series of standalones about brothers or a baseball team or a security force or whatever. and the tricky thing is, is that they're going to take place on a certain time mm -hmm. yeah and you know you know over the course of that timeline that brother a is gonna you know get with woman a and then brother b is going to get with woman b and by the time you get to c you have to include the brother the past brothers but then you see that they're with yep. somebody and so it's not like we all know there are HEAs all over the place, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. this is this is what we do. I, I guarantee you, happily ever after. There, you know, it's like, how much am I going to spoil? If not that they end up together, but how much of their process together am I going to give up? If someone, if if a brother says, "Well, you really have to learn to," you're not in charge all the time. And like, oh, so that's what he has to learn in his book or not? Right. You know. And it's kind of, a, it's, it's a difficult little dance. But I think that you do that well, because one of the things that I noticed, particularly in Fake Crown, which is the one with Joe Arden and Andy Arndt, Colton is kind of the black sheep of the family. I mean, he's been, you know. He's uh, the loser. He, you know, yeah, he, he's, 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 he's loser, like, but like, you know, he's like. Everybody uh, is an overachiever in this family yes. and they had certain expectations for him. And he didn't meet them. And so he yep. had to find his own way. Mm -hmm. But I think that in the other brothers and the parents' interactions with Colton, it's much more about how they perceive him rather than mm. us revisiting, you know, their each of their HEAs. So right. you don't, I mean, you know that you know who they end up with, but you don't know much more about their stories from right. reading. Right. Book. Because it's about him because he always feels yeah. like he's being watched by his family and looked at by his family, which is right. kind of the problem judged that Sky has, which is that she feels like everybody but her family is who she worries about looking at her and judging her and thinking things about her. So, mm -hmm. but that was kind of the point of it was, to see why he feels that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they're still going back to his old IQ test when yeah. he was a kid, you know? And it's like, just people just get over it. Move on. He's a, he's a full man. Yeah. And there is a, I have a family member who tested, you know, they, when they did IT, IQ tests and they tested very high and, you know, great things are expected of you. Well, define what you mean by that. So it's always, you know, no, that, bullshit. and that's, and that's why they don't do IQ tests anymore because it's so arbitrary. So ar exactly. It's yeah, and it, it, it really just, and it can make a huge difference on what's going on in your life at that moment, what's happening, you know, psychologically to you at that moment. It's for just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they should never do it on kids either. That's the worst part. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. And to tell them what they get in relation to everybody else. Come on, man. Oh yeah. And oh then, and then, and then immediately put them in some box and say, well, you know, you test well in this area. So this is what you're going to be when you grow up. No, they're going to decide for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And oh, whenever that happens. Or they're going to yeah. spend a lot of energy resisting you. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. 
And I think too, with not having read uh, Lyric Story yet, I would imagine because of the flow of the rest of the books, Lyric is kind of seen as frivolous, you know, mm-hmm. or, or at least superficial because she spends a lot of time on social media. She's got, you know, Instagram followers and all of that sort of stuff and TikTok and everything mm-hmm. else. And so she is not seen as serious. Yeah. Um, but yet she has to have a bodyguard protecting her. She's very serious. Let me tell you. She is she very is. serious. But you don't know, and... but she hides it because the last time she was serious, I'm going to try to keep it vague so you don't read the book. The last time that she took herself seriously, she got cut at the knees, mm-hmm. right? And this is not, it's about yep. her career, about her artistic self. Yep. Right, right. The last time she took herself seriously, she got cut at the knees and fell, fell flat on her face because the yeah. second worst than a 22-year-old that takes herself seriously. But- <laughs> um, she's older than yeah. that now in this book, but she has to learn to to see herself as a serious person, but also respect that what she's doing now. I mean, mm-hmm. her social media gets cut off at the in the first ten pages of the book, but mm. that she has to learn to see that what she does now actually also has value, yeah. and that it does not mean that she is unserious, right? Right, and that she has to bring these two parts of herself together. One of the things that I am most looking forward to in listening to this book. And Zana, I know that'll make you want to listen to Lyric is narrated by Samantha Brentmore, a well, friend of the we show. Love, we love Samantha. We love Samantha. She's <laughs> <So>. amazing. <laughs> I so cannot she... tell you. She is. She blew me away. When I went yeah, to, were yeah. you at uh, these Walker Talk in Vegas last uh, year? I was watching on the live stream, actually, and not in Vegas. And that's actually how I got started in this whole this this whole whole thing came from that performance and (laughs) yes so samantha is to thank and to blame (laughs) right aaron mallon is our patron saint and samantha's Uh, yeah and samantha is the devil the devil yeah yeah she's she's, she is though official friend of the first friend of the show we adore her and each of as i said you know each of these are narrated by each book is narrated by different the only one who does double is joe but he and maxine pair up on the other one Mm -hmm. but also sebastian york christian fox i mean just so i have to then ask the inevitable question do you have specific narrators in your head when you're writing uh, no, I don't. I don't have to because I only work with the best narrators. My, if you ask anyone that has read my scripts, they get very detailed. I take out the dialogue tags a lot. I'm the, very he said, about, he said, she said, yeah, yeah. You don't need them. I take, you know, I bracket things off. I put production notes inside. Mm-hmm. That being the case, I trust that they're going to give me their best performance. As mm-hmm. far, you know, as far as like the cadence of their voice, or I can't, I can't think about, I, I'll make myself crazy. So I just trust that they're going to give me their very best. And so like, when you're talking about someone like Joe, like he always gives 100%. Now, I don't know about everybody's book. Like I have not listened to every single thing, but he gives 100% to his performances, right? So, mm-hmm. and I got to worry. I don't, I don't, I'm not up at night worrying yeah. about whether or not this narrator can achieve this thing. Right. Yeah. And the narrators, yes, the narrators you get are top of the class, you know, Maxine, Samantha, Andy, they're going to bring it and you're in good hands with all of them. Yeah. And I got um, Christian Fox again for Mafia Kingdom. Oh, wonderful. And yeah. He's working with Elena Wolf. 
Oh, um, Elena Wolf is great. Yeah. We've won awards together, me and Elena. We're like this. Um, <laughs> Fox but, and Wolf. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That, those are all the little emojis people are using on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But, you know, getting Christian Fox is hard. He's, you know, he's doing a lot of different things. He's a very busy guy. And this is not his only job. Mm-hmm. So getting him on is always a challenge. And he came on last minute for me to do nice. this one. So, that was quite a coup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, Sebastian York, who is in a never seen and depth of his voice is always like, okay, this immediately adds gravitas to whoever. Yeah whoever he is portraying. I'm really looking forward to reading this one, not having read all of your titles. So this is, you know, comes with a bias, but not having read all of your titles, I would still consider your magnum opus to be Girl on the Edge. I would say that there are a lot of people who agree with you. That book was, is a bitch to market. I just wish it was easier to market. You know what I mean? It's very hard to make discoverable. There is no trope, you know, it's not really military. Not really, doctors. Uh, no, it's you know, it's a million things that it's not quite really. So yeah, it's a million things and it's none of them. The yeah. yeah. So do I love it because I got to do? I just was like, I'm just going to do what I want. Yes, it's what well, it's one of my little preciouses. There is another little precious coming in 2024. It's like something that I am so excited about that, like every time I talk about it, like my, my face gets a little red, like I get a little pink. That is. Four books. I'm creating new worlds here. Hmm. Um, new rules, you know, is uh, like a mafia vampire. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. I everything about it is exciting. Like the, the relationship, the way the relationship works. I mean, yeah, it's like it's age gap, but it's, he's, he hasn't been around in fifty years, so he's like, "What the hell is this thing? What is this phone thing? This isn't a phone. What are you talking about?" And so. Just to explain to him about how, when people want to use different pronouns, you have to use the thing. And he's like, what are you talking about? So it's like this argument that Gen Z is having with us all with all the time, you know? Yeah. And how those relationships work, except for the sex part, which, you know, if there is an age gap, like I said, he's 200 years old. But it, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you kind of assume with vampire novels that there's an age gap. It's like there's going to be an yeah. age gap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, there's, there's a built in age gap there. Yeah. yeah. Regardless. So, but, but so it's, it's, you know, kind of working through all of this. And of course, you know, all of the, the bloodlust and, and the vampire yeah. wars and the families and the things like this. Part of it is to have these conversations. And part of it is just me wanting to really go off the rails. Like, just not be on the track anymore you know because yeah. there's something off the track i'm building the track i decide the rules you know, the only rules about yeah. vampires is they have to jump blood okay fine we got that right and so, so being able to kind of really reinvent the world and reinvent the mafia too and what the mafia means and why them why the mafia here well maybe it's because of the fucking red boys <laughs> yeah so. and okay sorry i'm gonna squeeze just a little bit because i'm like <laughs> chomping at the bit to read this and i know you haven't, haven't even finished it. reading I yeah that was a book in august in late august called mafia kingdom and th- this this was in this was a little bit inspired so i'm giving like props to god for giving it to me and what it is is it takes the brother from my last mafia series right mm-hmm. and i get from a standalone and in the standalone he is up against this other family that is really powerful and has been missing for 50 years, but they suddenly come back and they want to redo all the rituals. 
They want to redo all the mafia things that we did 50 years ago. And everybody's like, oh, because we know what these people can do. Right? Okay. So we're doing that. And there are all these little Easter eggs. But that family is the mafia, is the vampire family that's going to be in the next series. Oh, okay. But we don't say vampire because you don't want to put vampire. Right. I think authors have yeah, done that. The, and the assumptions like, hmm. come in the minute you say the word. Right. Yeah, it's been, it's yeah. weird. So you just want to keep, so I kept it contemporary to go with that. But if you go over here and you move on to the next one, you will find out like why a lot of this was going on. That was just, well, this is the way we've always done it. And now we're understanding why this is the way we've always done it because we're vampires. But we're not going to say that in the contemporary because that's weird. You know, cross streams. Yep. Right. Yep. So and... that was Mafia Kingdom. So that's the hub of the wheel. So you can go from I, this was like a whole design project. Uh, you, you know, you can go from the hub of the wheel to anywhere else. Okay. So I I can already think of twenty five people that I'm going to be recommending these books to, just like off the top of my head. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking. So we're looking at these starting in 2024, right? Yeah. So I yeah. was told unequivocally. That if I was going to rebrand, do this kind of like, it's still my name, do this kind of rebrand where I'm going to do this, that I could not disappoint anybody. And I said, great, because I don't have any baggage with regard to disappointing people. Like, that's not something I carry around. And they said, you have to write book two before you release book one. Because you can't be doing this pushing around of the dates that you love to do and all of this mm -hmm. stuff. And she's like, you have to be on that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure both books are written. So we're looking at April. Okay. But as okay. of April, now, you know, um, and it's going to be a pre-order, but a short pre-order, you know, when that second book is done, pre-order for book one is going on, right? Oh. And then, and then I'll be working on book three. And so, and I've given myself lots of padding in the schedule. Yep. Because life happens. It always does. Mm -hmm. Always. But thank you, first of all, for giving us that little preview. And I, I will... I will sit and deliciously anticipate. <laughs> yeah, I cannot. I, I, In the meantime, I've got yeah. plenty of your books to still listen to yeah. so before we get there. If you're into Mafia, you know, you, you could do worse than Mafia Bryce. But if you're um, not... Mm. This has been my dark romance era. Um, mm. I, I This year, because of more in-depth involvement in the in the book community, I have spread out because I, was, I started as a rom-com reader oh. uh exclusively and you know occasionally dip into historical occasionally dip into paranormal but uh, i would always come back to rom-coms and that was that was the bulk of what i read listened to jenna aston fan right jenna aston yeah yeah i mean and... wrong is wrong is right yeah <laughs> <laughs> there so there's a lot of there's a lot of new things that i've been exploring because of that and pushed out of my comfort zone several times but you know if you can and it's healthy for your mental health to do so then uh yeah push your boundaries and yeah. and read those kind of things what is it about the mafia the world of organized crime what intrigues you most about that when you're writing it you know what's funny is is I'm, I'm Italian and I'm from from Brooklyn so I know lots of people and from my childhood, et cetera. And I would read mafia romance now. And I find it's not really mafia. We don't really do crime, right? There's yeah. not a lot. And so I'm not complaining. Like, I don't want to read about a big caper. I don't want to read about you, like, robbing the plane. I don't care. I want to, I want to hear about the couple, right? Yeah. In that sense, 
it's the mafia without, it's the mafia with the honor, with the codes, with the rituals, with the procedures, and with the old world traditional customs, right? I think that mafia as written today is actually historical Rome, right? Hmm. Because in it, it's not the real world right now that you're forced to marry somebody to join territories. Right? Right. That's not right. real. That's not real in the mafia. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just not. Right. But it's real for royal families in mm-hmm. days gone by, and it is real in historical romance. And this idea that, you know, you can only be a virgin and you're sullied and this and that crap, it's not real for now, but it is real in historical romance. These are historical romance. They're just set in contemporary. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I love that take. Because mm-hmm. I, lo- I, I, I hadn't considered that before. But yeah, you're you're right, because there are rules and codes and a set of it's like a, it's Standard. like the code of chivalry, but in modern it, yeah. terms. Yeah. yeah, 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 and and everybody lives by that code, whether you think you as the reader think it's you know morally gray or just straight out it's evil. The it's the code, you go there. and as long yeah. as they follow it, that's still honorable. Yes, you know, and whatever the thing that... is, like these these are not really crime families. I mean, you you can you got to say crime. And you gotta have yeah. them commit maybe one crime. And they kill each other and that, but that's different. That's honor. Yeah, and, but it's a lot These of revenge and back and forth. Revenge and... and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know why they make their money because you read it and it's like you're not doing a job, you're not <laughs> robbing anything, you're not, you know, there's no but that's okay. What's the bottom like, line here? What is I it? Yeah. Need the finances, I need to know the economy. Right. Um, <laughs> the, and, and in fact, they're actually cults. Mm. Right. If, yeah. if you read it as not, you know, you read it as mafia, so you expect a certain kind of thing and you get enough of that thing, but it's really a cult because you have her, she's part of the regular world, but somehow she allows some things to happen that wouldn't call the cops, but you don't because it's a cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are historical romances and they are about cults. <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. Not, I'm not like complaining or like giving anyone a hard time. Because I you write have com- too. you have completely reframed all of these all of these the sub <laughs> subgenre for me. So <laughs> I am I am. You've made it a lot in- more interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, why am I not getting these? You need to yeah recommend so, these for okay. me. Okay, all right. Thank you because yeah. I have I okay. have avoided giving her anything too dark or violent or anything like that. Like because I said, murder-colored glasses. I've said it so many times. I already look yep. at the world through murder-colored glasses. You might as well give me some sort of dark romance. Women, even when we're talking about dark romance, understand that these are allegories. Even if they don't know the word allegory or the historical context of an allegory, I think that they understand that these are allegories for their lives. Are you being kidnapped? No, you're not being kidnapped. But tell me what, you know, woman of a certain age has not woken up and said, how did I get here? Right. Yes. Was I pulled right. out of my life and now I ended up here? How did this happen? It took 10 years. Now, in the book, it takes five minutes to stuff her in the car. But right. in in your life, and I think the women understand this feeling of yeah. just disorientation. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's like that old talking head song. How did I? Yeah, this is not my, not my beautiful house. Yeah. yeah. How did I get here? That hits right to the majority age group of the audiences who read romance is and 35 to 65 
35 to 65 because you have settled into or have started to settle or have just settled uh, (laughs) uh, yeah into your life and then you're wondering the what if what if I had made a different choice what if I had gone someplace else and so that's what the books allow you to do it's this feeling of being taken out of a life where you were having fun with your friends or being in high school whatever you're doing that feels like the last time you were actually consciously having fun I I have a lot of fun in my life I don't want to give the impression that everything is dull it's not just what happened and how did I get here, but if you look at dark romance, it's how do I get through to the other side? Yes, with my agency intact. Mm. Yes, and I think that that is something that a lot of women cope with too. Is what kind of agency do I have with these kids who need to be chauffeured all over the place, and yeah. with the husband who I who I love so much, but who you know I have to make space right yeah for because because he has needs too, and I have needs, and that he has to, you know what I mean. So yeah. how, do, how do you get through it and to the end, being your full and complete self? Hmm. Even in the sex scenes, you uh, you particularly take take their agency into account because if they are submissive in a BDSM relationship, it's because they have to make choices all the time. It is up to them to figure out and make decisions all the time. Yeah. They just want to give up that control for once and just say, let somebody else do this. Yes. And <laughs> and it's and it's realistic in that way. You right. know, it it to to have that because at the end of it, there is the most successful of of all of these books are the ones that will still have some realism of it's either I know these characters, like I know somebody like this character in this book, or I have been in a similar situation, or I would react that way if something like this happened to me. And and this is actually one of the things, going back to the Crown series for a second, this is actually one of the things that I love most about the dynamic between the siblings is that that is so realistic i'm an only child but mm. i have stepbrothers i have seen it and it looks exactly like that you know um you. they will love each other they will go to bat for each other but that doesn't mean that they're not giving each other shit on a daily basis constantly the constant shit giving was the absolute most fun i have ever i'm like I, this is why i write these books because yeah right. constant <laughs> jabbing and poking and oh yeah Oh, but you need somewhere to stay for three months. Good, stay in my house. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, great. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun. We started on Girl on the Edge for, um, and then we got back off of it. But because this was, I want to talk about how this came to be. Because Girl on the Edge is sort of the final version of it, but it's actually three books that were serialized, right? Four books, sorry. Actually, four plus a prequel, so it was five. uh, Yeah, five. And then it was serialized and then put all together as Girl on the Edge. The audiobook is over 20 hours, but absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. It's a lot. It's, yeah, I didn't intend to release it as a big bundle that, you know, looked like one book, but the marketing became such a struggle for me. And I just thought, does this fit as a thriller is this is this the problem that i'm having you know so i yeah. put it together as a thriller and the thing is truly really that the that joe and maxine 
did such a stunning job, you know, with that audiobook. The audiobook outsells the ebook. I have not seen anything like this in my life. Hmm. But yeah. that is a fact. I have to say that I think it's one of Maxine's definitely one of Maxine's best performances that I have listened to. There's a couple of others that I have not yet been able to listen to that I have heard great things about too. She really, the depth of it. Yeah. You know, a real for, for both of them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that you can hear the progression of it throughout the whole, you know, the whole thing, because what is going on with this guy? This is, you know, he comes back and from the um, war, you might want to from, say, from yeah, he, he comes back, he comes back from the war and it's got to affect him, but it's not in the way that she expects. And then it's not presenting itself initially, but yet he's still different somehow. Yeah. yeah. And we're even in his head for enough where he's like, I don't understand what is happening to me. Like I feel feel this other presence pushing on me I, I yes. feel that it wants her I feel that it wants to to own me and initially for the first book I mean it's the whole book I mean it first 100 pages he has no idea what is going on and his wife is a psychiatrist and so my cat yeah. thing so he has he's almost embarrassed he's like I can't be one of my wife's patients and until it's too much until it explodes and he almost literally kills her. It's his shame that keeps him from getting the help he needs. Mm, yeah. And it's it's almost her professionalism that keeps her from giving him the help he needs. Yeah. They are impaired by their own their own inner restrictions. Yeah. Yes. Their self-expectations and their own inner restrictions. Yeah. So Yeah, it was quite a book and you know i'm not in the military and i'm not a doctor and i'm not a psychiatrist and <laughs> the list of things i'm not just goes on and on there's a lot of research involved i knew more about the battle of Balad in 2007 in iraq than um i ever thought i would know but no one has complained yet so that's good <laughs> of course i don't know much about military or medicine or psychology either I don't know that that was a necessary thing, you know, like what was going on in their relationship between the two of them was so powerful and so in-depth that the rest of the stuff that would normally need to take place in a thriller where, you know, you have the, the really detailed research and you have to be, you know, an expert in all of whatever. I mean, yes, it was there, but it was superfluous almost because they're the emotional depth of it was so powerful that that was carrying the story as I think it should have. And it was just, it's just so well done. <laughs> it's just so well done. Yes. My little tropeless masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not a trope insight. It's not that's exciting. Insight. I don't yeah. know. I, I love, I love tropes, but that's exciting too. So because I've already scheduled your, your books for the rest of the year, Zana, I'm going to start your year with Girl on the Edge. Okay. We're we're putting that in here now <laughs> to, to mention later, but I'm going to start I, I your 2024. Friend, I had a friend who had read everything and she was at the Joe Warden thing. And she's like, I am really sorry. I haven't read Girl on the Edge. I'm like, it's fine. I'm not going to tell you where. You know, right. you don't have to apologize to me. I'm, you know, just trying to do my job here. You do, you do your job. Have fun. And 
She said, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I said, what are you afraid of? She said, I'm, I'm afraid it's sad. I said, look, I do not mess with you. Nobody dies. I mean, somebody dies, but it's not, not the two. Nobody That's important yeah. dies. Nobody, no, important, nobody yeah. I give a shit about dies. Um, <laughs> you get your happily ever after. I said, I promise. She said, it's not that. I know you promised, but I, I don't want to feel hopeless. I said, I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to tell you, you don't have to feel hopeless because I promise you they are going to get through this. You know, she's like, all right, I'm going to do it. So she went and did it. And then she texted me and she's like, I am so glad you made me do this. It was cathartic. Do you like yes. to go to go down there? And I had this, this other woman. That, this Let me tell you that Joe Warden thing I just said. This other woman said that she was in New York on 9-11. And oh, wow. she's from there and she lost family. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, she couldn't go downtown and she couldn't get on a plane. And these are reasonable reactions. I think. No, it's very yeah. much so. Oh, oh, it's very much so. You know, and the whole idea of people falling was upsetting. Yeah. Reasonably. So people told her not to read it because the main male character lost his parents mm-hmm. on September 11th. And there was a picture that he thought was them, whatever. And she said, but I did anyway. And she said it was also because it was, it helped her get over the trauma. Mm-hmm. By because it was approached. And I think that this is how a lot of dark romance works. Mm-hmm. Is that it helps you get over trauma because it is approached in a safe space. And then yeah, she that said makes she sense. Did, yeah. yeah. And then she said she got on a plane, went on vacation. Oh, nice. Oh, oh good. Wonderful. So <laughs> I, I do think that that's an interesting way because so often we're kind of told to, you know, not dredge up traumas and so on or or have a safe space with reading but reading already is a safe space you know in literature literature is already a safe space and it allows you to to be an an observer in to some of these feelings without actually having to completely relive them and so you know it while trigger warnings and such are important i think it's also important to understand that you're going to be approaching this as as a third party observer and not somebody who has to suffer through this again. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, again, like, like the whole kidnapping, thing, it, it gives you kind of a way out yeah. a through yeah. line to happy, whatever that means for right. the character at the moment. And I think too, that here is one of the ways in which the book community is an important space. I'm currently reading a book that has a lot of trigger warnings and it's, and I knew that there were going to be ones that were going to be particularly difficult for me. I am reading this and being guided by people who have already read it. Mm. So they know the specifics of what could potentially trigger me. And they're, you know, saying, okay, these next two chapters coming up, you know, this may be a tough part. So be someplace where you're by yourself. You're not at work, you know, you any of that. And then there, and then we talk through it and it's actually been, it's really been helpful in that way. You know, they do check-ins with me and they're like, are you okay? You know, where are you at right now? It's really been helpful getting, and, and it also helps me enjoy the book more, Mm -hmm. you know, because then I, then I feel like not only am I getting through these very, you know, painful, uh, you know, memories that they bring up or whatever, but it's also the community, you know, because reading is a solo activity, but I've found, especially in the last year, just how much of a community can be created 
from this solo activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. and you get to hear sure. these different perspectives and you know different ideas and ways that you can look at a story, and it brings us all together at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. It has been a wonderful, wonderful time talking with you. Yes, and so thank you. We, thank we you. have more to talk about, I know, which, which I feel I like we have not scratched the surface, but yes, barely, I, barely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I wrote 10 questions. I don't even think we got through half of them. So. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at them. You didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I didn't even do it, but that's what makes it just makes great conversations. And it was a great conversation with you, Christine. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All of the places that you can find Christine online will be in the show notes and on our website, cupandsaucybooks.com. You can also follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time when we talk with someone new from the world of books. And probably go on a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.